0: It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room, and the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but but we as coaches do. Welcome back, it's another edition of The Outside World. I'm John Hayes, as always, hanging out with my guy, Jason Kersey, hanging out on the bye week, not traveling, worrying about football. What were you doing all weekend, my friend? Yeah, man.
1: I, you know, I got a nice weekend with the wife. We had some, uh, some of her family come to town to visit. That was really fun. And, uh, and then nice. I watched, uh, that I watched a little bit of that pathetic Arkansas showing and just because of my history there. And I, I assume we might get into that a little bit later, but yeah, yeah I've, so, I've got a, a lot of, that. of-
0: I've got a list of things here, Jason. That I want to get into. <laughs> yeah, you know, Arkansas is, is definitely on the list. Uh, I want to talk to talk to you about Kyler Murray as well. Still winless in the NFL, the Carolina Panthers. He was beaten by Kyle Allen today. Of home. all people, of seriously, all seriously, can you believe that? I mean, you uh, couldn't write that script. Yeah, man. What what a
1: what an unbelievable turn of events.
0: I, I want to talk about the liquored up kicker too. Uh, over the weekend, some news coming out of Norman. I want to get yeah. an update from you on that. An unfortunate situation um, there. We'll we'll talk about that. The AP polls out today. Oklahoma, without playing, of course, drops one spot and gets jumped by Ohio State. How do you feel about that? I mean, you know, it's one of those things at this stage
1: that the poll doesn't matter a whole lot. I mean, I think the that, you know... Um, that was probably going to be pretty natural that, that a team that played would jump a team that didn't this early in the season with such a such a small resume to go off of. But I will say that OU got a little bit of a nice boost via their friends from UCLA late last night, which that was a
0: surprising thing to wake up to this morning. I'll, I'll tell you what, Jason. I was working late on Saturday night because, as you know, I produced the, the Andy Staples show. And uh, it was 3 a.m. on the East Coast. And I'm sitting on my couch, and I was done with the Andy Staple show. And I think the normal thing that anyone would have done uh, was go to bed. But I could not because my adrenaline was through the roof after watching that insane comeback by UCLA and Chip Kelly. That was one of the strangest games. I think the way I put it, Jason, was that game was so bad that it was good. Uh, There was no defense. If you don't like tackling – Uh, You were in the perfect place because UCLA and Washington State had zero interest in making a tackle on Saturday night.
1: Well, I don't don't think they had much interest in making a tackle the week before UCLA did anyway in uh, Pasadena against Oklahoma. But they were going up uh, against the Washington State defense, I guess, was the same way. Like I said, when I when I went to bed, that game was a blowout and Washington State was winning by 30 or something. And I was like, oh, okay, well, going to bed. So, wow. What a what a
0: what a turnaround. You know, imagine if you had UCLA plus the 18 points at halftime. You're thinking, man, this thing's done. Uh, I might as well go to bed. Yeah, (laughs) UCLA has no chance of covering. But not only did they cover if you had the 18, Jason, they won straight up on the money line, and they were a huge underdog on the road. That's a pretty bad loss for Mike Leach. It is a bad loss,
1: especially when you had all these, you know, there were all these – You know teams that you know Mike Leach is always kind of a hot name in in coaching for these bigger jobs and I mean I even saw not to come back to Arkansas again but you know I saw last night people tweeting like they need to get Mike Leach and all this stuff and and I've heard that about other jobs and here and there and then man that is a bad loss that's a bad loss because UCLA is not a good team I mean maybe this is the thing that will turn them around but I don't think they're a very good team now but you know maybe if this was the sign of them turning things around maybe that ends up being a pretty quality win for a you down the
0: road. It could be. It could be. And I, and I know our, our colleague, Bruce Feldman, has talked about how UCLA is the, the youngest team in college football, and you can only use that as an excuse for so long. Before we get into Oklahoma, Jason, I, I wanted to just mention the, the results over the weekend while, while Oklahoma was was in the off week, the bye week, the open week, whatever the heck you want to call it at this point. In the NFL, it's bye. In college football, it's open. I don't know the difference, but here we are. I See, I like I – like, sorry to interrupt there, but
1: I like open because bye implies that you've, like, earned a bye. Like, you have the weekend off because you – you know what I mean? Like, you're going to play someone who didn't have a bye, whereas open – because, I mean, technically, if some game got canceled or something, you could put a game – This weekend. Anyway, sorry, that's getting very technical. And I'm sure no one cares. So my Hey,
0: Jason, this is your show, my friend. So let's just stick with open week (laughs) on on the outside (laughs) world. It will be (laughs) open week. Uh, Texas uh, beats Oklahoma State 36 to 30. It was it was a high octane game uh, down in Austin, Texas. Well, your quick takeaway from that, if any. Well, I mean, I,
1: you know, I think the final score isn't quite indicative of, of the, the actual, how the game went. I mean, Oklahoma state or Texas seemed to have a, you know, that game pretty much under control. Um, there in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma State scores a late touchdown to make it a little bit closer. But um, Texas was the better team. Uh, but that's not really surprising. That's what I would have expected. Um, but I do think Oklahoma State played well and they proved themselves sort of worthy of being in that upper tier of the Big 12 right now. They, they belong in that upper tier of the Big 12. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't have probably said that before the season. I, I think before the season, I would have thought that Texas or that Oklahoma state was, was sort of lower on the, in the pecking order this year. But I think Spencer Sanders is a really good quarterback. Chuba Hubbard's obviously an excellent running back. And, and, uh, I think Oklahoma state is a team that could give OU problems here in, uh, here in a couple months, I guess.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned Chuba. Is that the best name in college football or close to it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) Chuba is a good name. C-H-U-B-A. Chuba. Chuba Hubbard, the running back, he had 37 carries, 121 yards, and two tutties. Oklahoma State, they can throw it around. Their quarterback, you mentioned as well, he can run it too. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you've got to keep an eye. and you, I, I know you are on those yeah, programs. Well,
1: well, and I put out a Twitter poll last night. I was curious who OU fans are tw- cheering for, and it was overwhelmingly Oklahoma State. At least it was the last time I looked. <laughs> um, because, I mean, these are the two programs that OU fans love to hate the most, but um, I do think that, generally speaking, they they hate Texas more. So I, I don't think everybody was super pumped about that result last night. I'll tell you, John, the, the, the Big 12 game that shocked me was SMU-TCU. I mean, that's the game um, you know, I really thought TCU was on, on the verge of, of having another good season, and that is not a good loss for them.
0: SMU 4-0, the Mustangs down there in Dallas. where Where is this TCU program right now? Because every year TCU is kind of the middle of the pack in the Big 12. Uh, you, you've got a coach in Gary Patterson who who is known for his defense, but as this league, Jason, just continues to change and, and becomes into an offensive league where if you're not putting up big-time points, you're going to have a tough time winning football games. Uh, where is TCU right now? Well, you know, TCU... Was a co-champion of the Big Twelve in
1: 2014, and you know that's a that was a season where it looked like oh my god Trayvon Boykin you know was like a, a you know a, a serious Heisman contender. They were right there with Baylor there at the end of the year, they were right in the mix for a college football playoff spot. A lot of people think they should have gotten in the playoff that year because of, you know, how they dropped from like third to sixth after the final rankings. Um, I actually remember that being a big, uh, topic on fine bomb that, that week. Uh, Absolutely. That you were probably there for, I remember him I and Bill Hancock was. going after it a little bit on that one. So, um, Bill Hancock, good guy, love the guy, but yeah, that was in That was a kind of an indefensible one. I thought in a lot of ways, but anyway, uh, getting off topic a little bit, but, um, Yeah, I mean, TCU kind of peaked there. A couple years ago, they were in the Big 12 title game. It was 2017. They were in the Big 12 title game, but never were really close in that one against Oklahoma. So um, they just have not been up to that standard that they were in 2014. And Gary Patterson's been there for so long. He's such a great coach, but I mean... You know, they scored a lot of points yesterday. I didn't watch that game, but they scored a lot of points. But giving up 41, I mean, defense is kind of Gary Patterson's bread and butter. And to give up 41 points at
0: home to SMU, that's just not good. No, it's not. And a team that did put up a lot of points was Iowa State, of course, that did it on UL Monroe. Monroe. Uh, the Cyclones got the W. West Virginia takes care of Kansas in Lawrence. Uh, Les Miles not able to get that win uh, at home for Jayhawks fans. But you look at Kansas's record and you see two and two. Obviously, no win in the Big 12 yet. But uh, a lot of people, in my opinion, would have would wouldn't have given Kansas a shot to be two and two at this point in the season.
1: Well, no, certainly not with that Boston College game that kind of came out of nowhere last week. So, um, absolutely. I mean, Kansas seems improved. They actually do seem improved. We'll see how much improved. They have to play OU here in two weeks or so. So, uh, I, you know, in Lawrence, I don't think that one will go too well for them. But, I mean, they seem to be improving. And another game that kind of caught my eye, Baylor just kind of barely hanging on there against Rice, is kind of interesting. Because Baylor is one of those teams I, I w- thought would finish third or fourth in the league and, and sort of would challenge for the top two. And they still may. I mean, OU is uh, going to Waco in November, and I still think that's going to be a pretty tough game. But, you know, they them only
0: beating Rice by, by eight points. That's That's not good. I'm a huge fan of Matt Rule. I think he's a great coach. I I am too. I am too. I think he's got a chance to to maybe uh, find what Art Bryles had at one point with that Baylor program and turn things around. Uh, in Waco. Jason, that's something I want to kind of want to do as we move forward on the outside world. Uh, now that we're in Big 12 play, just take a big picture, look at the league, look at the results, get your thoughts on on those things as well before we dive uh, deep into the Sooners, which obviously w- what we're here to do. And Texas Tech, they had an open week as well, like Oklahoma, uh, heading, into the matchup, heading into the matchup this weekend uh, in Norman. Where do you... Where, where do you stand on this, just to start the week, okay? Obviously, we know Oklahoma's a favorite. We expect them to win, but um, today, where are you today, somewhere that you might not be four, five, six days, game day from now, uh, when these two take the field in Norman? How are you starting the week? How are you starting to portray this matchup? What are you writing about? What are you sinking your teeth into? Um, I'd love to know. Well, obviously, Texas Tech not having Alan Bowman, their quarterback,
1: is going to be huge. I mean, he gave OU a lot of problems last year. He's a really good player. Um, he was going to be a massive test for that OU secondary that has, especially the safeties that have had a little bit of trouble. So uh, I think them not having Alan Bowman really limits the appeal of this game from like a national standpoint, from a, from an upset standpoint, it makes it a lot harder um, to, to see a scenario where Texas tech can win this game in Norman without Alan Bowman. So that's kind of where I start. And then, you know, i I mean, there's a lot of things that, that are interesting though about this matchup. Texas tech is a team that has through the years at various times, given uh, Oklahoma uh, some trouble at various stages uh, in various seasons. Uh, Lincoln Riley is from Texas Tech. He went to school there. Uh, A lot of the coaches on staff are Texas Tech guys originally, so that obviously adds the intrigue. And then Kerry Cooks, the former OU secondary coach, who, you know, is a— you know, is was a pretty well-respected coach, a nice guy, um, but, you know, did not do a great job in Norman. And a lot of um, a lot of the problems that, that have come up on defense over the last few years were stemmed from the secondary. And um, Kerry Cooks is now the secondary coach at Texas Tech. So him coming back to, to Oklahoma also sort of makes this somewhat intriguing. But um, yeah, so, I mean, there's always things that are going to make this game intriguing. This is not South Dakota week. But uh, it's still, at this stage, I don't see this being much of, a, much of a game right now.
0: No, Jason, I watched Texas Tech in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, Pac-12 after dark, and you know I was incredibly disappointed. I know Bowman uh, got injured, and, and that's why he won't be playing. And by the way, I gave props to him because he got injured about halfway through that football game, and he stayed in to the end, ended up throwing 55 passes in that football game, threw for over 300 yards. I've got nothing but respect for a guy – who gets hurt mid-game, uh, doesn't want to come out and finishes things. And maybe that's the reason why Texas Tech only put up 14 measly points against one of the worst defenses in FBS, and that is Arizona. Um, so I don't want to look too much into that. But uh, Texas Tech is going to have a difficult time scoring points. you mentioned, with especially with the backup quarterback in the football game.
1: Yeah, I think they will. I mean, I, it, I think the thing that is – a little bit of a bummer, maybe, is that if Bowman had been able to play, this would have been a really interesting test for the OU defense, for Alex Grinch for that secondary to see really how much progress they've made. It would have probably been, I mean, Houston was a decent test and, you know, whatever UCLA was okay. But like th- that, if Bowman had been able to play, this would have been the first really good solid test for the secondary, for those safeties, especially. Um, And with Bowman out, it just takes a little bit away from it. Now I will say this though, if Jet Duffy or whoever plays quarterback goes out there and uh, torches them, Then we're going to know a lot about this secondary and we're going to know about uh, a lot about how long they uh, how far they have to go. But as of right now, I mean, it just with Bowman out, it just doesn't feel like the same exciting uh, test that, that maybe a lot of people, myself included, thought that it was going to be when we first looked at
0: the schedule at the beginning of the year. Well, there's nothing wrong with a get-right game, and that is exactly what this could be for Oklahoma. After having a couple of weeks off, shake off the cobwebs, get back out onto the field, uh, maybe run some offensive plays that Lincoln Riley has has cooked up in his, his lab over the last couple of weeks because you know he's got two weeks off. What is he doing, Jason? He's probably got that playbook open. He's probably got 50 new plays for Jalen Hurts in this offense. Lincoln Riley's a like an offensive mastermind. Um. So you give him this many time to pre- this much time, I should say, to prepare for an opponent. And I think that we're going to see some, some maybe some wrinkles, uh, some new um, parts of the offense exposed for fans to see. Now that you're through the non-conference part of the schedule, do you think that's possible? Do you think Lincoln Riley has something up his sleeve?
1: He, I mean, he might, I mean, that's, that's always a possibility with him. He's so smart. He's such a sort of a, yeah. You imagine him in the lab cooking stuff up. Absolutely. I mean, what, and what do you think his lab looks like? If have have you been to his office before? I've been to his office. It's really big. It's beautiful, you know, uh, exactly sort of what you would expect from a, a, the head coach at Oklahoma's office to look like. But Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's where he draws up all his plays or if he does that somewhere (laughs) else, maybe there's like a, maybe there's like a, um, like in the old Batman show, like with Adam West, like a pole that he slides down. And when he comes down on the other side, he's wearing like a lab coat or something. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like you, you've got a a book in the shelf and you, you take out that one book and all of a sudden. Um, the room turns around, and, and he's in the lab. He's got all the, yeah. the scientific uh, instruments. He's got the beaker, and he's cooking up quarterbacks. He's cooking up uh, new plays for Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, is is uh, still getting all the press, uh, even though uh, Oklahoma didn't play this, this past weekend. It seems like people can't um, go a college football weekend without talking about Jalen Hurts.
1: No, and
0: did you see his Inst-
1: the thing on Instagram uh, a couple days ago? Did you oh, see yeah, that? Rap, Rat Poison. Yeah, he comments on Oklahoma's own Instagram <laughs> when they're praising the 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 offensive numbers and says rat poison. Like at a certain point you almost wonder if this is all just a massive troll job. Like if he's just if he's like doing stuff like that, leaving the press conferences and just snickering at how much he's playing all of us or if it's all like exactly how he is. I don't know
0: cuz he cuz it's hard to get to know him. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you know and 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 the listeners, I hope know by now that you know I, I spent time covering him at SEC Network. And what happened, Jason, honestly, is is when the the Tua Tungabailoa situation happened, and he was benched in the national championship game, and, and Tua came in and saved the day, won Alabama the national championship, and Jalen Hurts lost his job. Uh, his personality changed a little bit. Uh, he went into a shell. He wasn't really as friendly with the media as he was earlier in the season. We had Jalen Hurts on the Paul Feinbaum show as a guest all the time, and he was fun. He would smile. He had a good time. And he really was willing to go out on a limb and maybe make some comments that that clearly he won't make now. I think that it was a life-changing moment for him. Like, that's who he is now. And maybe it is for the better, because right now it seems like he's the leader that Oklahoma needs if you're going to lose two Heisman trophy quarterbacks out of the locker room in consecutive seasons like you, there's clearly a void to be filled and not only do you, is, is that void uh, as far uh, not only is that void a skill position where you got to lean on somebody to to score points for you it's a it's a position of leadership and, and I think that, that whole rat poison, that mantra, the, the Sabanized mentality works. I think Lincoln Riley loves it. Have you talked to Lincoln about that?
1: Uh, uh, you know, we've asked him about it in press conferences a little bit. I mean, his sort of thing is, well, you know, we do have to be better. We do have to be better. Uh, so he doesn't really have a problem with it, but, um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about it too, John. Um, you know, I spent that one year, my first year at the athletic, I was doing more sec stuff. I was kind of doing the whole league and, uh, in the preseason, I went to Tuscaloosa and had a one-on-one with with Jalen, and I I need to go find that audio because I want to listen to what he sounded like because I do not remember him being like this. Like I remember, and that that would have been the preseason, so four or five months before the 2 thing happened, um, and I I remember him being pleasant and interesting and talkative and having a lot to say. And I want to go back and listen to that because I'd be very interested to, to see if I'm remembering that right or if I just are, built that up into my head.
0: I'd like to hear it, too. Maybe we could
1: play it on the podcast. That'd be fun. Yeah, that, that, might, that would be. That might be actually pretty fun um, to do just to sort of look at, at how he's changed because – Um, you know, I remember Paul, uh, Feinbaum telling me, and you probably know this, the, that, you know, making fun of his hair and they put the, they did the thing where they put Jalen's hair onto Feinbaum and all that
0: kind of stuff. I mean, that just doesn't seem like stuff he's going to do anymore. No, absolutely. He's a changed man. You know, and and I don't say that in jest, I'm being dead serious. I think as he matured and, and grew into, uh, this new person, as everybody does in in college, by the way. Hey, are you were you the same guy uh, as a senior in college that you were as a freshman? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I was. I, I don't know when I think back uh, on that. But you know, most people that go through a change it's it's a it's a time in your life, and that's why these college football is so fun because these kids are going through so many changes as far as um, becoming you know really. Um, adults and when it comes down to it you, you you get your college degree you you start thinking about what the real world is like and you have to start making life decisions and life can sometimes come at you fast and and when Tua completed that passed on second 26 and Jalen Hurts was no longer the Alabama quarterback I can't think of a a, a quicker life comes at you fast uh, moment yeah no no doubt about it I mean it clearly changed him and and and, and here's the thing I think you're
1: right though I mean Maybe OU needed that attitude, and that's not to say anything bad about Baker or Kyler. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but Baker was a lot more fun, loose, planted the flag at Ohio State, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Kyler was more serious, but not like this. I I, You know, I I don't know how he was in the locker room, but in media stuff, he was just sort of like, "Eh, you know, I'm here, like, whatever, let's do this. But Jalen is a lot different, and I wonder if that seriousness has rubbed off on his team, if that's a good thing. Um, I mean, look, they voted him a team captain after they'd only known him for about eight months. That says something.
0: It says everything. It, it honestly does. It, it says everything. I've got to ask you, I'm mean, looking at the schedule here uh, for Oklahoma. We talked about the Texas Tech game, and then you go to to Lawrence to, uh, to play Les Miles and the Kansas team the week after that, and then you've got Texas. So, you know, really we are – three weeks away, less than three weeks away, I should say, from, from the showdown at the Cotton Bowl. And uh, how, do, how does this Oklahoma team kind of put that aside? You know, we talk about Jalen Hurts, and we talk about his leadership and his ability to focus on the present and talk about one game at a time. Forget about the rat poison. But give me a break. We know that, that Oklahoma is going to beat Texas Tech. We know that Oklahoma's going to beat Kansas. And we know that, that Texas is the team on the schedule that could make or break the season for the Sooners. How does this team kind of put that to the side? And while that happens, do you think secretly Lincoln Riley's game planning for, for the Longhorns? Does he do that every day of the year? Oh, boy. I don't know about that. I mean, it's different. Well,
1: I don't know if it's different. You know, I, I remember back... In the early 2000s, and I've talked to Mike Stoops and 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 those guys who were on that those early 2000s staff about this, and you know everything was about that Texas game. It it was going it most years decided who was going to win the Big 12 South between OU and Texas, and um, it was so huge. Texas was a top 10 team every year, you know Vince Young and Colt McCoy and all of those guys, and then for a stretch there, it just wasn't the same. Texas wasn't as good. Um, Texas went through their struggles with. Between the end of the Mac era, the Charlie Strong era, whatever. I mean, then they still would crop up and beat you a few times, but it just didn't feel like of, of the same magnitude as it was in the early 2000s. And what's exciting is that that's back now. That game actually means something now more than it did um, over the last probably five years or so. Now, the one thing about that that kind of sucks, though, is that the game does matter, but it kind of doesn't as much because they could play again like they did last year. I mean, you could end up in a situation. OU you loses to Texas and then they get another shot at them and beat them. And then they get to the playoff anyway. So um, that's the one thing. Cause back in the early two thousands, if OU, the OU Texas game decided the South, there was no chance that they were going to play again in the big 12 championship game. Well, now it's, seems kind of likely that they might play again in the big 12 championship game. So it's kind of weird. Um, but the game is of, of the utmost importance. It's, it's cool that it matters again. Um, as a guy who grew up in this part of the country and and grew up going to that game, it's cool to see it, it matter maybe a little bit more like it used to.
0: As a college football fan that doesn't live in the state of Oklahoma and, and doesn't live in the state of Texas. I was more than happy to get two games between Oklahoma and and Texas uh, last year. So it's, it's interesting to hear that perspective. And I, I agree with you uh, as, as somebody that follows the Big Ten pretty closely um, to think that Penn State could possibly play Ohio State twice in one season. Is, is just something very strange to think about. No, uh, the way the division works is you got one shot and only one of, you, uh, one of you has the chance to get to the Big Ten championship game. Do you, do you like the round-robin format in, in the Big 12? Everybody plays everybody. Uh, I, I know the Big 12 and, and Bob Bowlesby has used that as kind of a, a PR marketing campaign. I, I think it makes maybe the Big 12 one of the more um, fair conferences in, in college football, but it does set up that weird scenario where Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, for example, could possibly play each other in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of,
1: I think, in some ways, like a nightmare scenario. I don't think anyone wants that to happen, you know, where uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State or any team play in back-to-back weeks like that, but it does set it up as a possibility. On the other hand, I do like, though, that the two best teams play for the championship, as opposed to... You know, like back in the back in the Big Twelve, you know, days in like 2004, 2000. uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other years. 2008, 2009. Well, 2009, one of those years. No, because Nebraska was pretty good. No nine. Sorry, I'm just running through the years in my head. 2004 is a really good example. OU played Colorado in the Big Twelve championship game when Texas was the second best team in the league and just crushed them. And it was a boring. Big 12 championship game, 2008, um, you, that was a year where the South had the three-way tie, OU-Texas, Texas Tech, and the Big 12 championship game was Oklahoma against Missouri, and it was like 60-something to 20, you know? So I do like that it forces the top two teams into the championship game because that feels like what it should be. Um, on the other hand, though, with a round robin and with everybody playing everybody, you do set up a scenario where if Oklahoma runs the table— beats everybody on their schedule this year. Um, and then they have to play Texas twice. So to get into the college football playoff, Oklahoma has to beat Texas twice. Whereas, you know, um, you know, maybe, uh, Clemson, uh, has to pull you know their conference championship game is again I don't even know who it would be against somebody not nearly as good as Clemson so <laughs> True. I so I mean you know so I, I think it's there's there's good and bad to both situations but I do like that it makes it forces you to have the two best teams because there, they, you know there are probably a lot of years where it'd be pretty cool to see Alabama and LSU in the SEC championship game totally I couldn't know, I couldn't back, I couldn't back agree when more. the
0: east wasn't very good I mean now there's Georgia but still Not only that, it's a great showcase game for the winner. Yeah, it might might hurt the loser of the football game. Like if Oklahoma lost that Big 12 championship game last year uh, against Texas, then obviously it would have hurt them. But winning that game against a quality opponent, the best team other than yourself in the conference, really gives the college football playoff committee a reason to put you in. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, but again, like you said, the
1: nightmare scenario is, oh, so you lose that game, and then the Big 12 doesn't get anybody into the college football playoff. So. Right, but I,
0: I'd rather have the opportunity to win a football game and go or uh, than to not play a football game and hope they select me to go in. I'd rather go out with a loss knowing that that I gave myself uh, an, an opportunity. It's the outside world. This is John Hayes, of course, and, and Jason Kersey joins me here on the show every Monday. You can follow Jason at Jason Kersey. He'll be covering the Sooners for you all week on The Athletic. Remember, this is the free episode. You don't have to pay for this one, but what you do have to pay for 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 just about a latte a month. I mean, that's nothing. I go to Starbucks every single day. I, I'm spending like five bucks at Starbucks a day. And man, that adds up, by the way. Jason, do you, do you use the Starbucks app? I do when I remember to
1: use it. I have it on my phone and I put some money on there. But I feel like I always go in there or go through the drive through and pay with cash or with my card, and then I'm like, dang it, I forgot that I have this app. I always forget that I have it.
0: <laughs> well, the way they get you is pretty simple. Uh, if you if you run out of funds um, on the app, they say, hey, do you want to reload? And you're like, yeah, sure, I want to reload, but they don't give you the, uh, the, the chance to reload for anything less than like 25 bucks. So you're right. just dumping 25 bucks to Starbucks. Um, whenever you, you lose that that balance in your account. So my overall point is, is that Jason's grinding on the beat. He's close to the Oklahoma program. He's covering the team that you love. And for less than a latte a month, you can get all that great coverage at The Athletic. All you need to do is go to theathletic.com slash the outside world, and you can get your first year 40% off. It's theathletic.com slash the outside world. A couple things I want to get you on before we, we scoot today on this episode is um, talk to me about the kicker. What happened over the weekend?
1: Well, yeah, Caleb Sutherland, the, the new kicker who had a, you know, had a nice little game against UCLA, um, It was was arrested for public in talks. I honestly don't care <laughs> that much about it if I'm being completely honest. These things happen. That, at least he wasn't in the car driving. Um, and I'm sure that he'll be suspended for a game or a half or a quarter or whatever. And then we'll all move on. So I think mean, just one of those things that happens when you're, when you, when you're a, a college football player, sometimes I, I cannot, um, I cannot force myself to care too much about this when it's just public in talks. And the only person he really screwed over was himself and he didn't put anybody else in harm's way. You know,
0: uh, did he uh, try to run like Baker did? Uh, I, I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I hope not for his sake. I'm just fooling around, and we're not making a joke about about drinking here on college campuses. We are just being very self aware, and we understand that it does happen. And this is not an ideal situation. You're an athlete on campus. The last thing you want to do is get a public intox. I think you know you and I both know that Lincoln Ryan, Riley will handle that, and there will be a discussion had. Uh, Kicker is very important position. I know a lot of people shit on kickers, Jason, but I don't. Um, I think the special teams unit is by far one of the if not the most important unit in football because without special teams, you have a really difficult time winning football games. If your special teams unit fails, it can disrupt the entire team. If you're having a bad defensive performance, sometimes the offense can pick you up. If you're having a bad defensive performance, sometimes the offense can pick you up, but If you're having a rough day on special teams, if you can't make a game-winning field goal, if your punter is just having a terrible, terrible day, if you get a blocked kick and that goes to the house, if your return team is is poor, that can ruin an entire day of football. It can. I mean, it it absolutely can. And uh, Oklahoma's been very
1: fortunate to have, for the last four years, Austin Seibert in that role and Um, if Caleb Sutherland doesn't play this weekend and the game ends up being closer than we think it's going to be, that could be a really, uh, really bad thing. So, so yeah, not, not trying to make light of, of, uh, of whatever alcohol on campuses, anything like that. I, when it's, I just say when it's a situation where no one else was in harm's way, when it was just him being stupid, I think you just sort of suspend him for a quarter and move on.
0: I totally agree with you. We'll see what happens there on that front this week. Maybe we'll get some news uh, from Lincoln Riley on that. And the last couple of things I wanted to hit you on is, is, is the Bob, Bob Stoops rumors and (laughs) how quickly those rumors now went away that Gus Malzahn went on the road and beat Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher.
1: Yeah, that, but also that was so stupid. That is never going to happen. I would stake everything on that, that Bob Stoops will not be the coach at Auburn. Um, I'm not saying he'll never coach in college again. I think it's very unlikely, but if he does, he's not going to Auburn. That doesn't make any sense on any level. Um, I likened it on Twitter to, uh, Nick Saban leaving, uh, you know, retiring from Alabama and then taking the Oklahoma state job. And I got a lot of crap for that. Um, For that comparison, I'm not saying that Auburn and Oklahoma State are the same, by the way. I'm just saying going from being the king of a state to playing second fiddle in another state is not something Bob Stoops is going to do. If he comes back to coaching college, it would probably be at Notre Dame. I still don't even think that's likely. So that was sort of one of those things I saw and just sort of shook my head. I mean, the same rumors started up last year, too. Bob
0: Stoops to Auburn, and I said the same thing at the time. That is not going to happen. I like that comparison a lot, but just to play devil's advocate, Uh, I think it would be a good job once Nick Saban decides to go like when when Nick Saban's replacement comes into the state of Alabama that's when I would say give me the Auburn job I want it now but what if it's Dabo Sweeney though well then I would say I don't want the Auburn job (laughs) 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 Uh, and then then finally my my final question to you is when is Brett Bielema going to be hired back as the Arkansas football head coach
1: Hey, I'm I'm saying this. Brett Bielema would not have gone two and ten last season. Brett Bielema would not have lost to San Jose State at home, a team that was one and eleven last year. Hey, uh, I, I I'm not even saying Brett Bielema definitely deserved to keep his job. That was a that was clearly trending in the wrong direction, and they probably needed to make a change. But I don't think Chad Morris does not seem to be working out there. Um, that was a bad, ugly, embarrassing loss, and. I'll say this. I spent a lot of time in Arkansas and uh, got to know those fans really well. And I said this on Twitter last night, and I stand by it. They do not deserve that. Those fans are do not deserve that. They're never going to be
0: Alabama, but they don't deserve that. San Jose State comes into Fayetteville, Arkansas, and beats the Hogs. You know, I, Every single week, I think maybe I've seen rock bottom in college football. When Georgia State goes to Neeland and and beats the Vols, I said, "Man, does it get any worse than that?" And then last night happened, or excuse me, Saturday night happened, and I say to myself, "Well, maybe that is actually rock bottom." San Jose State coming in, not only beating you, but but getting up big early. Arkansas made it a game at the end, but they couldn't finish the job. Arkansas is in a in a really bad spot, Jason.
1: It, it's, I mean, it all. it's amazing what has happened since Bobby Petrino's motorcycle crash. Isn't it? I mean, it's amazing what has happened to that program. They were number five in the country when that happened, number five in the country. And now they're, they're not even competitive anymore.
0: I don't think they'd be competitive against Fayetteville high school. If they wanted to play this Friday night. Yeah, it's Under just right down, down the
1: streets. It's it's about a half a mile away from the university.
0: Maybe they could just go down there and give it a shot. <laughs> it's The Outside World. I'm John Hayes, Jason Kersey. Always going to be with us. Remember, subscribe to The Athletic uh, and get all of Jason's great work. And by the way, you can hear the the bonus episodes of The Outside World as well. And we did a bonus episode last week that I think we're both pretty proud of. Uh, my brother's keeper, his brother's keeper, I should say. Uh, and that is a story that Jason wrote a couple weeks ago about Buki Radley Hiles and we turned that, that feature story into a podcast. And uh, Jason, I hope, the, I hope the, that you liked the way that that turned out.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was a great idea um, on your part and um, really well done. So I, I really think that was a neat way to give fans a little bit of an inside peek into the, into the story, into the interview with Buki. Um, and yeah, man, I, you know i say it a lot to you privately but i'm saying it here publicly i really appreciate you and what you do
0: no doubt man i appreciate you too it's been great working with you and and consumers fans expect a, a texas tech deep dive later this week well, i don't know if it'll be anything on the Buki level i mean
1: that that one was months in the making so those things don't <laughs> happen every week i wish they could man i wish i had the bandwidth to pull something like that off every week but uh but i, I i'm i'm gonna
0: have some stuff that i hope people like It's The Outside World. We'll be back later this week. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.